Welcome to the Think and Learn Smarter experience. Here I will sit down with people from all walks of life and talk with them about experiences that have shaped them. Everyone learns from their own experiences, but the best learn from the experiences of others. Now, let's get into it. Today I'm here with Hannah McLaughlin. Hannah is currently on the Irish ladies hockey team that's hopefully heading to the Olympics in June. In addition to this, Hannah's doing economics and finance in UCD and is also doing an internship in Davie now. Hannah, I don't know how you're managing to balance all this. Fair play to you for doing it. How are you getting on these days anyway? Thanks for having me. Um, it's definitely a challenge. Um, I am training now full-time Mondays and Tuesdays with the hockey team and then working with Davies in an internship Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays. So they've been great, giving me a, a flexible contract, allowing me to commit to training and then fitting in some more training morning and evenings and at the weekends with Sunday being being my only day off in the week. But um, I suppose in the current environment, I'm thankful that I am busy and I do still have structure in my week and I have a lot going on. But um, it's definitely, definitely a balancing act that I'm still learning how to do. Mm-hmm. It seems like you've been doing that for quite a while, though, where you've been balancing either, we'll say, schoolwork or maybe college work and hockey itself. Is there any, has there been any like, tips or tricks that you picked up along the way that kind of help you uh, manage, manage to do both? Um, I think I've always felt that I've performed best in, in college and in school and hockey or in any discipline when I've had more than one thing going on. I know a lot of my friends kind of gave up sports going into sixth year, which I was just completely against that, you know, giving 100% to like your academics or your sport just wouldn't wouldn't be for me. I like to kind of have a few avenues on the go that you can kind of dip in and out of. It was probably from the end of fifth year going into sixth year when I initially got involved with the senior hockey squads that I kind of had to make a choice about you know, what I really wanted over the next few years and trying to keep a kind of a bigger picture in mind of post the leaving cert going into college, what I wanted to be doing. But I suppose in secondary school, my priority one was the leaving cert, but also was was sports. And then I suppose the thing that got got the boot was kind of a little bit of the social life and the and the nights out and things like that. Not to say I didn't I didn't get to go out, but it definitely was a period where I felt I had to have a lot of discipline in order to to get some studying economics and finance in UCD and was quite certain from probably fourth, fifth year that that's what I wanted and obviously had an idea of the, the points that I needed in mind. So I think probably from the start of fifth year, I was quite consistent with, with you know, working away for the two years. But I, I mean, like the Leaving Cert is probably the worst set of exams I think anyone can can ever do. Mm-hmm. and uh why do you think you decided to go with economics and finance like you said you kind of knew from early on is it did you have an inclination towards maths or what what drew you to the area um i loved maths but didn't want to do a pure maths degree um, and also really liked business so i suppose it was finding a course that was a combination of the two i had quite a big interest in um in engineering as well for a while but i think economics and finance just had a bit more of a, a face-to-face kind of personal aspect to it. I wanted to be dealing with clients and kind of using my, my, my interpersonal skills, I suppose, from a sporting background. I'm used to that kind of team environment and interacting with a lot of people. 
so I think that led me to, to towards say the business school and UCD and then just from looking up between say commerce or commerce international and um, economics and finance that's kind of where I where I ended up with that. Mm-hmm. And how did you find so you went to school in Loretta Fox Rock how did you find like doing your, your secondary school years through that school like um a lot of the girls seem to kind of stick together when they leave. So it seems like there's a, a tight bond between yourselves. How did you find the whole experience? Definitely. I think I had quite a big input um, actually when coming from, say, primary school as to what secondary school I wanted to go to. When I was in uh, Kerry's National School in Black Rock as my primary school, and um, that would have been quite a big feeder school into Fox Rock, and a lot of my friends would have been going there. Um, and kind of what I wanted in a secondary school was a balance between um academics and sport and fox rock had that had hockey basketball athletics cross country had loads of different things that you could try and there's a huge emphasis put on you know first year getting out and trying as many different sports as you could and i knew that if i had that sport outlet you know say through hockey in secondary school that academically I, i'd kind of be doing as best i can as well um and fox rock being a huge a huge hockey school with with where I live, it was kind of a no-brainer really to go there um, and played hockey there for the six years. Um, always kind of having a mad schedule between between hockey and school. But I just think it had a great balance between an emphasis on academics and extracurricular activities, whether that be music, drama, sports, whatever you're into. And I think that was something that was really important for me not to kind of just go to school purely for the academics, I think. I want I picked a school based on the environment that I could do well in as opposed to the school's past track record from the leaving sort or the junior sirs. So I'd say I kind of judged it off that mainly. Mm-hmm. And uh, you managed to make your Ireland debut still in secondary school, which is some achievement. Did you find did you find it hard to balance to say playing hockey for the school, playing hockey for maybe the Leinster Ireland team, and even like doing economics and finance or studying for economics and finance? How would you find the balance between all them? definitely ex- extremely hard um and i think it's only kind of looking back now a few years later when i'm in college that i realized how busy and how tough my weeks actually were so i think my average week was a monday i'd be in school say nine so i think it was quarter past four half four uh come home homework go to club training on a monday night tuesday say for fifth and sixth year i was in the gym at six to half seven then I'd be in applied maths half seven till school. So I did eight subjects. Um, and I then in sixth year dropped to ordinary Irish and I'd taken up applied maths. So that was done out of school hours on a Tuesday morning. So I'd go gym, applied maths, then school for the day. Then I think on a Tuesday I might have had school training or it might have been an evening to do homework. Wednesday would be school for the day and then I'd have a national session that evening. Thursday would be school for the day, uh, school training after school and then to club training in the evening. Friday would be gym before school, straight to school. And my wild Friday nights would be, you know, catching up on the homework for the week <laughs> before then. I think my weekends are bad as well. Saturday morning, you'd probably have a school match and then a club match. And then Sundays, I'd have a national session in the morning. So I think, you know, my Friday and Saturday nights were, were spent doing homework. Jesus, like I, that might be the most flat out schedule I've ever heard in my entire life for a secondary school student. Like even even the fact that you'd be starting on a Tuesday, you'd have two productive things done before the bells even rung for school. Some going. 
But um, in when you're in six, when you're in sixth year, I think that Fox Rock managed to win the actual Leinster hockey. How how hard was it like um being able to balance all the things together along with that? Because I think it might have been tough like being able to play with the team as well because you had so many commitments in general that year. Yeah, it was definitely something that you know I kind of went back and forth with for a while about you know I, I would have had two club sessions a week and then trying to pile on two school training sessions on top of that. Um, was tough and I think there was a few tough conversations I kind of had with my coach about you know coming closer to leaving so I didn't just want to want to pass I wanted to do the best that I could and I really had my heart set on certain courses in college and I think at the end of the day you do have to make some sacrifices but I think from quite a young age I learned to kind of have discipline and if I've picked I want to do something I think I became quite good at being quite streamlined towards that and I think looking back when I was in fifth and sixth year, I, I wouldn't have said that I was mad busy because I, I was just so encapsulated in, in running from one thing to another that I never really had a chance to take a step back and notice how mad my weeks were. I was just kind of used to it and didn't know any difference. But I definitely think that I'm someone that if, if I have an hour to do something, I'll get it done in an hour. If I have two days to do something, it'll take me the two days to do so I think I became quite efficient at getting getting my work done um, and kind of prioritising, which was really important. But um, it's definitely a balancing act that I'm still learning to do and I, I didn't do it very well at times. But um, it was definitely challenging. Yeah. And you touched on there that you seem to have that discipline from an early age. Uh, would that have been like instilled from your parents or how, how did you kind of pick it up or what would you, what would you attribute, attribute to you having that discipline? I think naturally I'm I'm quite a competitive person so I if if I'm going to do something I'm going to try to do it really well so if it was schoolwork or tests or or from a sporting point of view I, I just really struggled to just coast by something so I think that's something that definitely my parents encouraged me to to kind of have goals and, and really like do your best to try get them and, and if you don't you don't but I think I was quite tough on myself at an early age that you know, I think the, f the first kind of serious hockey team I wanted to make was the Leinster under 16s. And I think I was 14 turning 15 then. So I think it, it kind of drip, drip fed from quite an early age that, you know, if I really wanted to pursue sport or from an academics point of view, that you, can't, you do have to have discipline. So I definitely think it's something that some people find easier to do than others. And everyone has their own way about things, but it definitely worked worked for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, what drew you to hockey as opposed to like daily football or basketball or any other sport? I actually tried out, I think, every sport under the sun when I was younger. My mum, I think, signed me up for hockey when I was in sixth class in primary school and I didn't even know what it was. I was just happy to be out playing sports. And I think a team environment sport was something that I really, really enjoyed versus kind of an individual thing. I think I, I did swimming for years, I did gymnastics and I was the most unflexible person hmm. in the whole world. Now, I think it, like say the, the gymnastics, I loved it, but I was I was shite at it. So I wasn't really bothered then because I wasn't very good at this. Um, what else did I do? I played polo cross for a few years. I did Gaelic, I played badminton, I did cross country. You know, I tried everything, but the hockey was something that... You know, I, I knew I had some talent for my mum had played it when she was my age. So I think, you know, it was, it was something that I would be able to chat to her about and she'd come and watch my matches and things like that. And then when it got into Fox Rock, it was all hockey, hockey, hockey. And 
that's kind of what all the fuss was about. So when I realised I kind of had had a bit of skill for it, I think I just went with it then. Mm-hmm. And did you have any kind of role models that you looked up to maybe four or five years ahead of you in school or even like playing for the Irish hockey team? Because uh, it seems like you're clearly competitive and it's clear that that's why you stuck with the hockey as opposed to like the gymnastics because uh, it seems like you wouldn't have wanted to stay with a sport that, you know, you weren't as naturally good at. You're definitely correct there. Um, I think I definitely remember going to kind of my first senior women's game when I think I was in first year in secondary school. And I think actually seeing, you know, a match go ahead is something is something that's, I suppose like visualization of being able to see it made me really, really want this. Um, and I actually, I remember my mum brought me and I, I got it. I asked um, Megan Fraser, the captain at the time for a photo and still have us. And um, back in January, their last month, we were on a, a training camp in Spain for two weeks. And I got to, I've play, I got to actually play with her and, and got another photo with her and put the two side by side and sent them to my mum. I think that that was quite funny. But I think at the time, say if you look maybe six, seven years ago, there probably wasn't a lot of access to, from my point of view, to who my my role models were in hockey. You know, the Irish women's team wouldn't really have been a household name um, at all, really. So I think I probably looked up to the same, you know, famous athletes across the world that any child would look up to. But I think that's a huge difference now that I've noticed is you know from the team's win back in the world cup in 2018 and qualification for tokyo a lot more people are kind of accustomed to one or two players in the team or or know the name or know a bit more about the team which is brilliant mm-hmm. no definitely 2018 was was a watershed moment for irish hockey even like men's and women's because it's raised the whole game but in addition to that uh because of that the, the irish government gave you more like more grants and stuff as well so not even just for like say a social point of view but also a financial point of view so um you, you touched on going to the olympics there in 2021 mm-hmm. so you're only possibly five six months away from becoming an olympian what's your thoughts on that um probably the one word is surreal i think um we're still kind of as, as a training squad and there's still a lot of selections that have to be made but i think it's something that i'd say a lot of the other girls feel the same that until you actually step out onto the pitch in Tokyo in July you're probably not going to believe that you know you could be could be an Olympian and that's you know a word that I don't think is spoken about very lightly. Mm-hmm. Now to be joining a select group of people to be an Olympian right for sure and have you, have you ever considered getting the tattoo with the five rings on it because a lot of Olympians seem to go for that these days. Oh it's we've a lot of the girls have a lot of jokes about it on the team mm-hmm. and I've said it to my parents they said over my dead body I'll be getting a tattoo but I think it's one of those things that just for the sake of being able to get us, it's definitely something that I'd consider. But, you know, it's still only February and that's not till July. So I suppose it's trying to keep yourself grounded that you're not, you're not there yet. But um, it's definitely something that's in the back of my head. Uh, I'd say for sure. And how is the training kind of going? Has COVID affected you? I know it's affected you by a bit, but are you able to train in the collective groups in like the, in, um, the National Centre or how are you working with, are you working at home or what's the story? So back um, at the start of 2020, with our first lockdown, we had absolutely nothing. We were all um, at home and just went on kind of a home gym and conditioning program for a few months, which was not fun. But then when the economy opened up back in, I think it was June, July, 
we started to train again as as a squad and then when we went back into September October we went back into our normal full-time program which would be Mondays Tuesdays full days as a team and then regional sessions morning and evening and we got classified as um under the elite I suppose status and the government guidelines so we've been able to train away as normal since September pretty much without any major disruptions as as a training bubble and we were lucky enough to get to go to Spain there for 10 days to play some um, test matches again as a, as a as a bubble as a squad with testing before and after so we've been very fortunate that none of the squad have have had COVID and I think we've all been very good about our movements outside camp which has facilitated us to be able to train as normal but um, it's something that we're all very very lucky to be able to do at the moment for sure and uh, there's not many there's not many people on the Irish hockey team who'd be in like we'll say the, the finance sphere uh, what, 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 what attributes would you say that you have from playing hockey like translate very well into that kind of work definitely just being comfortable in in high high pressure environments and I think you only realise kind of how good your soft skills are from being in a team environment when you go into say a corporate world um, how good they really are and you know, I just kind of assume that, you know, good teamwork skills, communication, things like that are normal, but they're actually, they're really, really not. And I got, again, I got to learn them at quite a young age that so I need to take them for granted. And I'd probably say another thing I've noticed is from, I suppose, the hockey environment is it's such a, a dynamic environment and there's changes every day that you're just, that are just not in your control. So you have to learn to adapt to change quite quickly and be comfortable with that. I think that's another thing from going into the corporate world that when things change, say for COVID, having to work from home, although that was a big change, I, I wouldn't have had too big a deal with it. I'm used to things just completely going outside your control and you having to go with it. Um, and I think, you know, we'd always say in the squad, you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I think that's something that definitely sticks in, in any discipline in life, but especially in, in the finance one. For sure. And is there a moment in your life or maybe a, a, collect, a selection of moments where you kind of realized that you began to get, as you said, being comfortable in uncomfortable situations? Like, was it a, was it kind of a gradual process or was it like one particular moment you're like, wow, I should be more uneasy at this? I definitely think it's it's a, a gradual process. Cause it's something that I think you have to be kind of on your back about all the time. I think from from hockey point of view it's definitely from a, a physical life point of view being able to constantly push yourself um in, in every in every training session and I think that's something probably the last year I've noticed is you know we'd have a few hours turnaround between pitch sessions or a gym session and, and a match so you just get used to just moving on onto things really really quickly and just not taking time to think about it but it's definitely something that's it's a gradual process not just a a one moment flicker kind of thing for sure and so what kind of fitness would you be doing like because hockey is a very aerobic sport so when you'd be doing the fitness would it be kind of high interval training or would it be longer like 2k runs or what what kind of fitness would you be in doing uh we go through different phases throughout the year of of what we want to be working on i suppose coming into the summer we'd be i suppose trying to peak is the word before coming into a tournament that we're feeling fresh really sharp probably working on sprints changes of direction feeling quite good in yourself but then when we go into September October that winter period that's where you know what we'd call like the slog of every day just 
either running gym or things like that and you just feel shit an awful lot of the time um but I think something that we do is we try and do an awful lot of our fitness through training through hockey because it's more materialistic than just being able to run without a stick or without actually you know being able to figure out something in a game in front of you but um we test quite an awful lot through um a yo-yo test which is like a repeat sprint test and then we do other other sprint tests we do max testing in the gym there's been a huge emphasis on strength work in the gym the last probably two years and a lot of kind of prehab to reduce injuries things like that but I suppose going back probably to the last lockdown where it was the first time we've actually had a few months of not needing to worry about picking up a stick but just working on like your aerobic ability your, your fitness I guess we did a lot more kind of longer slower runs 1k repeats but I think what's quite relevant to hockey is being able to do a lot of high high interval sprints um, getting your recovery back as quick as possibly but it's it's hard to try guess try get everything absolutely and so what attributes do you say because you were making like Leinster and Ireland teams age groups above when you're younger what attributes did you have do you think set you apart because you're clearly very driven but being driven isn't enough what what do you think was that like the skills that you had that were different um I definitely think I was lucky that I did have a raw talent in in hockey but I think from quite a young age I just I had hunger for making the teams and I remember like I'd go out um in in secondary school onto the pitch after school and work on something that I wanted to work on by myself I'd be out the front of my house with a hockey stick and a ball and you know you you hear like some of the best football players in the world and it's I I go out on a on a pitch and I do something a hundred times same with rugby same with any sport it's repetition but I definitely think I'd be an advocate that in the long run, I suppose hard work trumps talent. It's great if you have a bit of natural talent, but I think that I, I, I did work very, very hard for a long period of time. And it's something that I enjoyed doing, which was really, really important. So it wasn't, you know, a chore of having to do homework or, or do study. It was, it was kind of a release. Um, and I think from a, quite a young age, I had quite good coaches around me that taught me new skills and gave me quite a a diverse um skill range quite young that then just coming up through the years I was naturally able to develop and that's really stood to me now that I, I would think that I'm quite a, a quite a diverse player um so that's something that'd be huge for sure and uh, you touched on that hard work beats talent um that's very applicable in terms of the leaving cert because it's very hard to be like talented at languages as well as like we'll say for yourself maths physics and applied maths uh, what skills did you learn with, say, through like your application in sport, where you're very you're very driven and you worked on your skills by yourself? Would there be any like um, we'll say similarities between your your study skills in that regard? I'd say I probably learned that with study, you know, everyone's going to have their own way of doing study, and I think I was quite good during school about kind of disregarding. What everyone, what everyone else was doing, how everyone else was getting on and just focusing on how I was doing. And it's still something today that I think I, I'd struggle with. And I think it's very easy to look at, you know, how the, the best person in the class is doing, how your friends are doing, and, and that can lead to kind of extra pressure on yourself. So I think fr- probably from even before the junior service, find out kind of what study methods worked best for me and was just confident that if I did that over my fifth and sixth year and just ticked away at it 
that it, you know it, it would pass and I think I definitely did have cramming periods before exams that worked for me just kind of touching up on things but I suppose it is again it comes down to discipline of you know thinking about what course you want to do you know where, what your potential is and, and trying to match them up as best you can but again it's a very hard thing for me to be able to give someone you know the solution I think it is a bit of trial and error about finding out what works best for you and uh, which subjects back in your leaving sir would have been the ones that you found kind of the trickiest to get that right because uh, as you said a bit of trial and error so which ones would you say were the hardest ones to nail down um I definitely say applied maths was a funny one because I found it would took it would have taken me a long while to get something but once you got it you really got it and it became quite easy um I think I'm I think I picked subjects probably against what you would have been told to do you know in fourth year when you get to try like subjects and it's pick what you really enjoy pick what you're good at whereas I would have just picked probably what I think I could do well in and I think there were certain subjects that I felt I were a memory test and if I could just memorize the book I'd do pretty well in I absolutely loved biology and physics um probably because similar to maths it's a close, closed end answer. You're either right or wrong. There's a formula, you do it and, and you move on. I think English, I really, really didn't like because there was no right or wrong answer. You have to get your opinions across. You know, it's a subjective, it's an objective view. Was my answer going to be liked? Did, had I structured it correctly? And all those types of things that I just didn't really like. Whereas with say, what I did was, so I did Spanish as my language then I did biology, physics, applied maths, business. Um, and they're all quite similar, that it's a right or wrong answer to a certain extent. It's a memory test. Can you recite the definitions? Can you recite the book? And to a certain extent, if you can do that, you do pretty well. So I think I probably cheated a little bit with not picking what I actually really liked, just picking what I thought I could do well in. Not that I'm advocating that you should do that, but you know to a certain extent I think I looked at the bigger picture and I said I know what I know what I want to do in college and I need to just be smart about what I pick now to get me there yeah no you're dead right like a lot of people fall down the trap of thinking oh I might like geography because I'm interested in learning about nature but like at the end of the day when you're doing your leaving cert you're just going to be learning it off regardless so you might as well pick a mm-hmm. subject you're good at rather than the one Definitely. that you think you like in fourth year for sure and come like so you obviously have to play in high pressure games from a young age how did you find like the high pressure like sporting activities as opposed to say the junior cert or the leaving cert? They're definitely quite similar, but I suppose your comp- I suppose the similarities of you're always going to be compared to someone else, and I think in a sporting point of view, I quite liked it. It was competitive, like you're playing well, you're not playing well. And you kind of have those highs and lows quite quickly. But I suppose in school, you know, you're compared by someone else with the number of, of what you scored in a test or, or how you're getting on. But I do think, again, I learned from sport that I was able to bring into school is I need to identify what I'm good at and just capitalise on that. And whatever I'm not good at, one, work on it, but two, can I minimise that weakness? So I... You know, I loved English up to till the junior cert and did quite well in it. But when I looked at it from a leaving cert point of view, I said, yeah, you know, I like it, but I'm not going to do well in it. 
Um, it just wasn't something that I, I was going to do well and I had to accept that. And it was similar to Irish, although I didn't really like it. Again, it, it's it's not a closed-ended question. So I think that's why I did higher level for fifth year, dropped to ordinary level and had taken up the applied maths, which again was right or wrong. You know, I know the questions that are going to come up. I can give them a good stab and I can do pretty well here. And how do you, because it seems like you quite like things that are very open, closed ended. But we'll say when you're playing in a hockey game, like if you're making a decision, you've probably got three or four different decisions you could make and it's hard to know which one's the right one. So how do you find the situation like that where like any situation could be right or any situation could be wrong? Or how do you deal with like, we'll say like decision making process? Like how do you, how do you decide in the hockey pitch which one's the right to go for? Well, I think it, it's funny that so when when we train on a Monday Tuesday we've we've a drone up above the pitch and the whole training session's recorded and that would be kind of a tool that we'd use to look at our performance how can we improve and that's when I think my my view on that kind of changed that in a sport a lot of the time there is actually a right or a, a better a better decision to be made um but say back in a school match you know I'm not I'm not going to be thinking about that match much much once it's finished so you don't actually know did I actually make the best decision in that given scenario but when you can go watch the video of your training session or your match back and you see you made that decision you can actually see oh well there's actually something else there I just didn't see it or I made I didn't make as good a decision so I definitely think that's there's similarities that with sport you're trying to make the best decision as consistently as possible and minimize your mistakes and I and I suppose there's that kind of risk reward scenario of, of in a match you know if, if you're one nil up versus you're one nil down you're going to change what you're doing I think that is something that is can be applied in school but I think it's not something you're taught I think you know teachers which I don't disagree with again you're told to pick what you like pick what you enjoy but is that going to give you the best outcome after leaving sir it's kind of a different question altogether for sure yeah definitely and uh, you touched on the fact that you have the drone at your training sessions or perhaps games now as well i'm always curious because like you know the way when you're younger you, you might have thought oh i played brilliant in that game or i didn't play well in this game how often is your opinion of how you played uh reflected in like the decision making that you made in the game like you know when you look back would you be like mm-hmm. okay today was a seven out of ten but the drone, like looking at the decisions I made, I was like an eight or would, that, would you be pretty good at self-evaluating? I, I definitely say I used to think I would be, but I think there's now a different way of breaking down, you know, when I look at my own performance into things that I'm in control of and things that I'm not in control of. Um, you know, even if I've had an absolutely shit day of training, if I've still you know, tracked my player, worked really hard, done the things that I'm in control of well. I can go, look, I had a shit day, but the things I can control of, I still did well. But it's definitely been probably one of the best learning tools I've I've felt that I've had in terms of improving my game. Because, you know, when you'd, you'd speak about a coach after a match or training and you'd see something and they'd see something different, but if you can't look back on it, you, you don't really learn from it. Yeah. But I definitely think that it's been a tool that has really improved my game in terms of my vision on the pitch and seeing things for, at different times and at different speeds. And hockey's a really, really fast-paced game that you want to be problem-solving what's in front of you as quick as possible. So I definitely think it's a tool that's probably narrowed the margin between how I, how I think I'm playing and how I actually am playing. 
But I mean, there's probably been days when I've I thought I was quite poor that I actually did quite well, and vice versa. You know, that's it. That's normal. But I think the drone kind of takes out the the emotional score from yeah, training yeah. of how you felt. Did you feel good? Did you feel shit? You know, there's a lot more factors to kind of take into consideration. But it's definitely something that I'd say across the whole squad, everyone's felt that it's been really, really constructive to our performance. Mm-hmm. And now that you know, like, certain, well, you probably knew them before, but there's certain areas in the mm-hmm. hockey or even like doing the leaving cert that are out of your control. How do you react to situations now where perhaps it looks like you've played badly or you aren't doing as much as you want, but it's a situation that's out of your control? Like, how do you like deal with that mentally? Uh, something I'm definitely still learning to do. And I think it's something that comes with, I suppose, experience and, and with age. I think from a boarding point of view you know if, if I've had a bad training session the last thing I want to do is to have an, another bad training session or match the next day on top of that and then if you kind of break that down to a smaller level if I've made a mistake or done something bad on the pitch made a bad decision I want the next thing straight after that to be positive or to just not be negative so it's not kind of as we would say a plane crash of one bad thing leading to another to another I think in school again it's hard to break down but you know, if you've had a, a bad exam or a bad test or you didn't do your homework well, it's trying to to fix, to actually realise and just actually say, look, I, that exam was really poor. It's not, you know, what, what my potential is and actually just being okay with having a bad exam, having a bad day and then correcting it so the next time it's not the same. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, I definitely struggled in school where, you know, I definitely had exams where, in the week, I just didn't have time to study for it. I'd have my homework done and I'd go into an exam knowing I'm not prepared and I'd hate that feeling because I know it's going to be a bad score that's not going to reflect how I'm actually getting on in the subject, but I still have to sit there, do the exam, get the result I already knew was going to be poor and sometimes I just didn't, I want to forget about it um, and just not deal with it. But I think in sixth year, I got better at being like, look, I've done the best that I can today this isn't the final exam, it's, it's a class test, it's not a big deal. And again, it's seeing that bigger picture and just taking a step back of this exam's not going to matter next week. But it's incredibly tough when you're in that environment and you know your teacher might pull you for a conversation. And sometimes it's okay to say, look, I have a lot going on this week, it wasn't a great test, the next one will be better. But I think there definitely is a lot of, pr- a lot of pressure put on for class tests. Maybe I put them on myself. But, you know, when you come out of a test and your friends asking you, how'd you get on? How'd you get on? I got this. I got that. And sometimes it's just having the nerve to just be like, I don't want to talk about it, which is really, really hard. Of course. Definitely. And would you, so it's not really as applicable, say, in a classroom, but in hockey mm-hmm. itself, like when you when you find yourself getting a bit frustrated about things out of your control, have you got like a physical um, like reaction that you do to kind of put yourself in the moment? Like, for example, um. Uh, Kieran Reed for the All Blacks used to stamp his feet to remind himself if he made a bad decision or Ger Brennan used to have like literally a white um, band on his arm to remind himself to be less aggressive during the game so have you any like physical thing that you do yourself or have you a mental cue or what would you do um I I've tried a lot of those things and I think a lot of the other girls in the team would have something like that a little kind of command that they'd reset but I think I, I just, if I've made a mistake, just try to reset by the next thing I do to just be positive, whether that's just give a two-meter pass beside me. And that's kind of just my refresh that 
you know, the mistakes made, move on. I think the most important thing for me is that, again, the next thing isn't a mistake. But I think we're quite lucky with a, a huge thing I value in, in our coach is that he, said, he always reiterates, you know, I don't care if you've made a mistake. Mistakes are going to happen. But it's kind of, it's the next thing of, does that mistake then push you off that the next five, ten minutes you're not present or your next thing is a mistake? I think I've just struggled to buy into that kind of philosophy of you know if I twist my stick I've reset or I'm just happy enough to just mentally tell myself I've made a mistake I'm okay with that my next thing is going to be positive and just to try not think about it but I know a lot of the other girls on the team would, would have a physical or a mental or they'd say something so it's again finding out trial and error what works for you and then just being confident that that is you know the way you go about things yeah fair enough and so do you still play with UCD and you've playing with Ireland as well do, how do you, do you find the tricky moving from different like team environments because you know there'll be different cultures when you move from different teams or how do you find that transition definitely find this I think harder coming from say the national setup into the city setup that there'd be a few of us um, that would be on both and say from the from the national team it's a really really high pressure environment that a training you know, if I've done something sloppy or I haven't tracked my player, someone's going to tell me. And we've really tried to embed that in each other, this kind of open environment and these open little conversations that have have to happen during training, during matches that, you know, if someone's not pulling their weight or even if someone's having a bad day that you get onto them and, and we have that open communication. And I think that's something that I found challenging coming back into, say, my club environment, that it wouldn't be at, at the same level and, you know, some of the girls would would react well to, you know, being told middle of a pitch that they did something wrong or they need to do something better and others wouldn't. So I definitely think it's it's something that is is challenging. But then, you know, I'd kind of look at it that, you know, if I'm an international athlete and, you know, I'm aspiring to be the best I can, regardless of what training environment I'm in, I'm going to stick to these same standards and I think our, our coach would expect that of us coming from a national session that we'd really drive the quality of that and try to bring as many attributes from that kind of national high performance culture into a club setting. Um, but it's definitely something that is, is tricky to, to balance between, you know, coming across as a bit, a bit strong, so we sh- shall we say nicely, versus actually being someone that is going to drive training. Of course. Um, so it's kind of an ongoing thing that we joke about. Mm-hmm, definitely. Do you think that's one of the reasons why you kind of drifted towards like economics and finance is a very high achieving course then or then moving into like Davy itself? Like you seem to like nearly thrive in high performing or high, nearly you could say high stress environments. Do you think that's um, like, um, how would you say, and like um, I think you've always strived towards or just kind of like been pushed in that direction? Um. I don't know if that's an environment I strive to strive for. I think it's naturally something I just put myself in. Yeah. I think I'm I'm just not used to, you know, relaxing. You know, we'd have a day off on a Sunday and I'd be, you know, going to meet someone or I'd be like, I have to do this and what I'm going to do for the day. And, you know, my mum was always at me like, would you ever just relax, sit in front of the TV and watch rubbish? And I really just struggle to, to do that. You know, even if like I'm going to do something relaxing, it's going to be, oh, I'll listen to a podcast or I'll watch this or I'm still, I'm always doing something. I, I struggle to actually just sit still and, and do nothing. And I think that's something in, back last year in the first lockdown, 
what I was forced to do because there wasn't anything to be doing was actually just relax and you know not set an alarm to get up early in the morning sleep in and have nothing planned for the day and just see how I get on but it's definitely something that my mind's just not wired that way I'm always used to being on the go getting the most out of my day being on a schedule and I think a lot of the girls and I'd say a lot of athletes in general find it really hard you know post a tournament or when you have time off to actually just decompress and and just and just chill it's just not something that's you know in my DNA to to do naturally I have to kind of be forced to to relax which sounds a bit weird yeah no, I get you for sure now that's definitely a trait of a lot of high performing athletes and especially the fact that you're balancing both a, like a working career and um like and a sporting career as well um so how do you find like when you're going to economics and finance it's a kind of a whole different environment similar to like going back to the UCD uh setup do you find it's like tricky to switch out of like competition mode you know like we're in training in the Irish team you'll be there and it's full mm-hmm. on like you're essentially competing for a place to be an Olympian like because I'm Ryan said there's 23 on the panel now and it's going to be down to 16 so there's, there's 15 actually 15, 15 right few, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even more than that case so there's kind of that that pressure um do you think that is like that translates into we'll say your normal life where you're saying you find it harder or find it harder to switch off would that be part of it or would you have any idea no doing a psychological evaluation on you here now <laughs> I'm kind of curious. Um, I think it's it's hard to to kind of give a an objective view on that when I'm so immersed in in that environment I think you know if if I was trying to here in 10 years and and I've retired and I'm looking back on on what I'm doing now versus what I might be doing in 10 years my answer might be very different but yeah I think I've I just wire myself to be so like on the go busy and I think something that is probably quite a big strength of mine but could equally be a weakness is I'm always looking to to the next thing you know, as soon as I, I hit a goal or I've done something, I'm straight away looking to, okay, what's the next thing? How can I do it better? And I don't ever really just sit in the moment and actually, you know, give yourself a pat on the back and say, well done. It's always looking to the next to do better, to strive for better. And I think although, you know, to a certain extent, it is probably my biggest weakness. It's also gotten to, gotten me to where I am today. And you know, I probably wouldn't have it any other way, but I definitely think my course in particular, it would lend itself quite well to, because it is a very, very full-on course, and it's a course where, so obviously I'm doing my internship at the moment, and, you, you know, you're in charge of, of how you do in that course, um, and it would be known to be quite a competitive course, one to get into, and even when you're in the course in terms of you know GPA how you're getting on projects and things like that it, w- it would be quite uh, competitive to be in so I think I'm probably in a course that lends itself in- to a similar environment than to than to my national one. Uh-huh, fair enough uh, I know you're saying you didn't get much time but perhaps during lockdown you had a chance to watch the last dance because it seemed like there's a, f- a few characteristics that'd be similar enough uh, the competitiveness and that kind of thing. I did um, yeah it's definitely something that's I think any athlete can can relate to that. You know, he he had an awful lot of raw talent, and it was very apparent. But at the same time, he didn't just sit back and say, "My talent will get me to wherever I want to go." He, 
you know, he trained nonstop and, and kind of made his whole life about that and was one of the best players that has is probably ever going to play. Um, and I think, you know, even if you're not huge into sport, there's there's kind of lessons that you can take from that series and, and apply to any discipline in your life, whether that be academic or or any other interest. Is that, as I kind of said earlier, you know, irrespective of what raw talent you have, hard work will get you a lot further in the long term. It's about having that bigger picture of not, you know, where do I want to be in a month or two months, but it's extending that to a year, two years, five years. Mm-hmm. And uh, you touched on the fact that you'd be going down to play with the UCD ladies and it's kind of in a bit of a different environment. Uh, you've done coaching with people, with girls who are a lot younger. How do you find, like, do you find that you'd be very, like, um, it's hard to, like, you have a certain standard you set for yourself and how do you, like, relate that to the people you're coaching? Um, I think there's, I've, I've coached teams that, you know, some of the girls would just be there to, to have have a laugh and it's a social outlet and I think when I've identified that that's kind of the goal of the group I'm very happy to to kind of relax and actually my priority is just to make sure that they enjoy the hour the two hour session and they go home looking forward to it next next week not that they're you know going home thinking about what they did well what they didn't do well and like did I run hard did I not run hard and I'm completely fine with that but then at the same time I've coached other teams where there's girls on the team that have huge potential that, you know, I'd say you could play for Ireland in years to come. And I think when I see that, I do kind of change my approach a bit with how training's going. And I think the one thing that, you know, sometimes I struggle to sit back on is when you see girls and just messing and, and not really caring about what they're doing when they've actually huge potential. And then even other girl that is, is working her ass off would do anything to, to play for Leinster or Ireland and just doesn't have that natural ability. Yeah, that can be very hard to deal with, especially the fact that when you're the coach, you don't really have that much control over how hard to work. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, so you're saying that there are certain people that you'd be training that you could see would have a lot of, like, potential. What do you mean by potential? Like, when you're looking at a player, how would you, like, when you say potential, is that because they're really skillful? Do they make right decisions easily? Like, what would you define as potential? It's something that I think can't be necessarily defined by X, Y, Z, but, you know, you can see in, say, someone, if, you know, they see things differently to the people around them, they see things quicker, they they have better skill, they have really good basics, they're, they're really, really fit. There's a lot of different things that, that you might see in someone, and I think, you know, it's not a particular particularly one thing that you'd see across everyone. I think like from coaching kind of younger girls and boys, everyone develops at a very, very different rate and at different ages. But I think you, it's just kind of, you subconsciously see like who your best two, three players are. But I, I do think that equally you can see the girls or the or the boys that I'm training that might not naturally have that athletic ability or that skill, but you can see that they're working really, really hard and, they get annoyed with themselves if they do something wrong or if, if they mess up. But I think that's equally potential than to someone that has it naturally, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I find myself as well that it's so, I was kind of curious that like even the players who are playing can tell who are the most like who's got the most potential just by the way they interact. You can almost tell who are the best players without knowing anything about hockey, but just by looking at what everyone else is doing with regards to them, if you know what I mean. So that's definitely, like another definitely. Way. For sure. And um, 
would there be any people who you'd like see a lot that you've been coached that you see a lot of similarities in yourself um yeah i definitely look at like say the girls that i coach that are really really competitive and and i say that has me written all over it from when i was that age and, mm-hmm. and it still does now um but i just think when you have someone that you coach that just wants to learn that just wants to get something right and that'll do anything to do it and you, you know you can see them they're the first person out on the pitch when after school or they're the last person to leave they they help they clean up say the hockey balls at the end of training and it's little things like that that I I pick up on quite well those little details that I just think you know you've you've so much potential mm-hmm, for sure and I know I'm kind of pivoting here now you said you chose that in Fi in UCD and would you ever consider any other courses in different colleges or did like playing hockey for UCD have as much have an impact on your decision or just play purely Ek and Fi and then hockey afterwards or was this a bit about? Um, I think when I initially looked at colleges, say in, in fourth year, it was very much what course do I want to do? What what college do I want to go to? I looked at going to America from a sporting point of view. Um, but I think it was only probably in, in fifth and sixth year that I actually said, okay, well, these are the courses I want to do. But from a sporting point of view, you know, what, what kind of marries together? And um, I looked at... So I looked at scholarships in the States and then UCD and Trinity have quite good um, sports scholarships as well. So I think it came to a stage where I applied to loads of different things to keep my options open. And then and as time time went on and with my um, old hockey club, Loretto, I would have played against UCD. I think it was only after playing against them in UCD up in, in with the stadium there that I actually realised this is really where I want to play. I knew that there was courses in UCD I wanted. They have all the facilities on campus. You know, it's only up the road from where I live that I really set my heart on economics and finance in UCD and and to play hockey there as well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a marriage of like everything was kind of coming together for that decision in that case. And mm-hmm. uh, about the scholarship. So there's like an Ad Astra scholarship that kind of is like, we'll say cross sport in UCD. Um, would, is it, would you have many interactions with, we'll say, the people who play the rugby or the Gaelic football or the tennis? Or what would it be like an environment, like um, an area where you'd meet, or what would be a story there? Yeah, definitely. So when you first, when I first came in in first year on the scholarship, we had kind of events with all the athletes that are coming in in first year, and you'd meet the athletes in the year above. And there's a, a gym in UCD that's kind of in a separate building over beside Leinster Rugby that is only for some of the first uh, first teams in UCD across sports and for the Astra athletes. So I think that, that was really beneficial for me to kind of make friends that were in kind of a similar boat to you, like going along the same journey as you and in any different sport. And then I think it was when I was going into second year that they actually um, built like an Alastra kind of room, which like has study desks, a TV, a fridge, kind of a, a living area. And that's where you kind of get to meet um, all the different athletes across different sports, different years. But also there's um, academic and performing arts strands scholarships under Alastra as well. And that was open to all the disciplines. So I think that was that was probably the best way to meet all the scholars across all the different disciplines but definitely like every all the sports people know each other and you see each other in the gym or in the pool or 
studying or running between lectures or in the cafe so everyone would be very well known to each other for sure and I'm, I'm sure it's like a great place to like pick up new ideas or even just have a chat about what's going on in different sporting fields would there be many so we'll say like yourselves the hockey team are hoping to get to the olympics would there be many other ad astra athletes who are like going for, in their own respective fields yeah definitely there's i think um a lot of um hopes for probably paris 2024 i think you know i'm lucky that in a, in a team environment i have a bit more exposure at, at a younger age to possibly go that it's not dependent on me as an individual uh qualifying against you know another another older person trying to qualify um so i know for a lot of the individual sports i think paris would probably be um where they'd be looking towards but yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of athletes that, or even um, winter sports, the Europeans, World Cups, like it. It's so cool to talk to athletes across a, a range of sports, and there's like there's kickboxers, football, rugby, Gaelic, swimming, pentathlon, like it's it's unbelievable. And every like athlete is so different with, you know, what their training week looks like, what they do, how they train, how they approach things, and it's really, really fascinating to be able to get access to such a wide range, like so easily and so casually. Yeah. And so clearly you're an Irish hockey player now, but if you had to, to talk to the rest of the people you've met, what sport would be like, oh, geez, that sounds like great cracker. That sounds like the one I'd want to do if I wasn't a hockey player. Which one is it now? Um, God. I don't know. That's a, a really good question. Um, Probably none that I'd really in ucd because i probably wouldn't be any good at them so i actually wouldn't really like them um but i i used to play polo cross when a few when in secondary school when i was younger and i kind of gave that up when the hockey got serious but i think one day i'd love to take that back up probably in my in my 30s maybe mm -hmm. and how did you find the transition so you had that astra scholars so you had like we'll say a, a friend a college friend group kind of set up but how did you mm -hmm. find the transition from like secondary school into the into uh, college first year I think I, I really underestimated it until I think probably Christmas of, of semester one when you were coming up to your first exams and I think that's when it kind of hit me about how many things had changed since secondary school and I think it, it's an, an absolutely huge transition for anyone but I think like you said being able to go into college say one with say that that kind of that kind of group of the Ed Astra group but then also going in knowing that I'm going to be part of a hockey club I already knew a lot of the girls on the team. I think only now that I'm that bit older and I'm so, I'm settled in college, realizing how important and how big a difference that did make. That I think in my second week in college, I started training and gets you in a routine and and you've places to kind of go. You know, I'm going to training and you see these people and there's girls across all different years, loads of different courses. So I can't actually imagine how difficult the transition would be one you know moving up to Dublin firstly then starting a new course maybe not really knowing anyone not knowing what clubs you want to join not knowing people in the clubs not really having a kind of a group ready for you to join that was already set up I think I was really fortunate in that transition period that I had that I had that which made it a lot easier and I still find it incredibly tough so I really, I can't imagine what it would be like, you know, if I didn't have all that. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. And uh, so what kind of, so you moved in the, you said that you've, uh, you knew the hockey girls and you had like your own, like secondary school girls friend group coming in. What was it like going into that kind of five, that, that kind of hub 
because they're, they're a very special uh, type of people, we should say. Special so. individuals. <laughs> um, well, right. actually, I was the only one from Fox Rock that went into that course. Um, so I knew of a few people vaguely, um, but actually didn't really know anyone or wouldn't have been very close friends with anyone going in, which I hated at the time. But after a while, I was very thankful that it just forced you to make friends early and, and really put yourself out there. So I think... I think it's more or less consistent with a lot of the years that there wouldn't be like eight or nine people from one school going. It is very maybe two or three from one school, but it's very individual that a lot of people are coming in from a secondary school by themselves, not really knowing anyone. So I think that was really good with my course. I think there's about 60 to 65 of us. So it was a great number that you actually got to know everyone and you know, there's jokes made about, you know, commerce and things like that. You walk into a lecture and you sit beside someone and you never see them again. Whereas mm -hmm. I never really had that, you know, you'd see the same faces. And it was a good enough number that, you know, we went on nights out together and did things together. So I think the fact that there was a lot of small groups or individuals coming in made it a lot easier to, to integrate as opposed to coming in by yourself and there's three groups of 50 friends and you're trying to kind of merge your way into one. So I think, again, I was very lucky with that transition. Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure. And if you had to say to someone like looking at Neck and Fine now or even looking at, we'll say, uh, business and UCD in general, what would you say be like the, the things that you kind of didn't know going in or were surprised at? Um, well, I, I actually didn't really know... Um, much about the internship or that it was actually quite a, a general business thing say across commerce or commerce international with like your Erasmus um, and things like that so I think that was a huge benefit that I only probably realized when I was in first year of something that that I was able to do um other other benefits probably that's the probably it's outside the business school but you know, you have facilities across the campus to do whatever you like with your day around your lectures, which in secondary school, you know, you have to be to class on time. You need to be there before the bell. You're in a uniform. You have to have your homework done. You can go into college and not have done a thing. And that's your own responsibility. Yeah. Um, or you can go in prepared. And again, that's your own responsibility. No one's checking up on you. If you don't submit something. You're not getting an email asking for it to be submitted. I think that was kind of an, an environment that I quite liked that. You know, again, kind of being busy as I can fit things around my week the way I like it. And, I, you know, I have deadlines three, four weeks away, not I have to have homework done tomorrow or I have to have this done and they're going to check up on me and I'm going to have to explain and things like that. So from that point of view, that environment worked really, really well for me. That it was kind of, you know, it's your own responsibility and you do as you please for, for the semester. <laughs> and uh, just to wrap it up, if you had any, like, tips or thing i know you're saying you're very driven in your own leaving cert but did you have any little tips that you'd have for someone you know especially with the fact that covid is it's only just been announced today that the leaving cert will go ahead and uh, there's about three four months to go and you did say that you were that you did a bit of cramming in your time so mm -hmm. would you have any little tips that they could do from let's say february to june um i definitely think that's a good bit of advice that i wish kind of i was told is that I don't think we're really told in secondary school that, you know, say you, you want to do a course in UCD. If you don't get that course, it's not the only route into that. And I think, you know, I've had friends that have wanted to do, say, for example, physio, 
be really, really popular and the points are really high. And I just don't think that it's an avenue that explored where, you know, if, if you go do this course, do well in it, you can do a postgrad in, in physio and you're still getting to the same destination. It's just a different route. I think there's a huge emphasis put on, you know, getting into like a level seven, a level eight when like a lot of my friends took a year out because they didn't know what they wanted to do or did, you know, a, a PLC and then go on to college. I just I don't think it's a, it's a normalized thing in secondary school that that's actually fine. Not everyone's going to be able to, you know, get 625 points to leaving cert, go do medicine and become a doctor. And that doesn't suit everyone as well. You know, if it suits you to take a year out, go and do that and be comfortable with that. But sorry, going back to your question, I think mm-hmm. it's just something that you have, to, you know, at the end of the day, you have to just get your study done. I think something that I, I found quite helpful was doing loads of exam papers and you realise the kind of trends of common exam questions and things like that. So I think there's certain things like that that if you know you have those in your bank really well um, and then kind of breaking down some subjects on, on how they're examined to as best you can, but it's something that's the worst set of exams you're going to do. And I think kind of when you know that and you know that you do them once in college is much better, maybe it can give you a bit of motivation. For sure, yeah, definitely. No, once you get past the leaving cert, it's just not to say plain sailing, but in comparison, it is really in comparison, God. it really, really is. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Millie and Hannah, for that. I appreciate it a lot. Uh, there's some really good content now. I know I went down a bit of a rabbit hole at one stage in terms of like the, the mental side of um, like dealing with things that are under your control, but that's just something I'm interested in myself. But uh, thanks a million for doing this, and uh, I'm sure thanks you're flat out. Right. So, uh, I'll leave you at it. <laughs> thanks very much. That's the end of another episode. I hope you've taken something away from this and I'll catch you in the next one. Until then, good luck.